Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and a very good afternoon to you and welcome. It has just gone 13 minutes past two on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in Joburg. Great to be with you. <coughs> Great to be chatting to you again on another important Judaism 101.9 program. Today we're um, going to have a little bit of a mixed bag. First of all, to talk a little bit about today. We're going to also speak about the fact that we are getting close to the month of Adar. And we're also going to speak about the fact that in the coming weeks and starting from this week, we read some special parashiot, special portions of the Torah. And you'll notice that on this coming Shabbat, as on a few that come up before Pesach, we're going to be taking out two Sifrei Torah, two Torahs taken out of the Ark in Shul on Shabbat morning. One of them will be the reading of the regular usual Parsha of the week, let's call it, and that will be followed by something special, a special Parsha, after which that particular Shabbat is named. And this coming Shabbat, we have Shabbat Shkalim. Shkalim. Shkalim, a shekel being a an amount of money. We know that uh, shekels is the currency of Israel at the moment. But it was also always something with which we um, associate money and silver and so on when it comes to the temple and all the offerings, all the tithes that were brought there. The shekel actually comes from the Hebrew word of a weight, a certain weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, a weight of money, a weight of silver or a weight of gold. And this weight gave rise to the name shekel, shekel being um, the amount of money that was necessary for a person to either bring as an offering, to bring in order to be counted, or for some act of redemption or some act of thanksgiving and so on, uh, where people donated to the needs of the tabernacle in the desert and then the temple in Jerusalem. And it's amazing, actually, when we think about Shkalim, that today, the 24th day of the month of Shvat, and it's otherwise known as the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shvat, in the second year of the reign of Darius, or Dariovish as it's called, the word of God came to Zechariah. If we take a look in the prophet Zechariah, we're going back to the year 351 before the common era, so that's two and a half thousand years ago. If we go back and we think about that, the word of God came to Zechariah, the son of uh, Berechiah, the son of Ido, the prophet, saying, and this is what God said, I will return to Jerusalem in mercy. My house will be built within her, and the Lord shall yet consult Zion and shall yet choose Jerusalem. The advent of the Jewish people back to Jerusalem after the first diaspora, after the time that we spent in Babylon, after the time of Purim. This was the prophecy of Zechariah that happened to come to the Jewish people through Zechariah on the 24th day of the 11th month. Today's the anniversary of that great and wonderful prediction. It was only two years later, actually, that the temple was rebuilt. But the prophecy came to him on this day. So if we go back to the year 351 before the common era, today, 24th of Shvat, that is what was happening in Jewish history. And if we think about this synchronicity and this interconnectivity between everything that happens within the history of the Jewish people, 
and everything that happens in our lives today, there is something quite phenomenal of how all of these things actually weave a web to tie together. Because, of course, on this coming Shabbat, which is a few days after the 24th, in fact, Shabbat will be the 27th of Shabbat, and uh, Rosh Chodesh is going to be next week on Tuesday and Wednesday. So next week when we are in our next session of Judaism 101.9, we're going to be talking about Rosh Chodesh Adar, which happens next week, and it's the first of Adar, and we're going into that month, and then we've just got two weeks to go till that beautiful festival of Purim. When we think about all of that, we think about how the Purim story uh, was in that diaspora, how it was a time of darkness and difficulty, how great and wonderful miracles took us out of there, how we yearned for and we hoped for the uh, Beit HaMikdash, the temple to be rebuilt on its rightful place in Yerushalayim, Irakodesh, in the holy city of Yerushalayim. And we think about that yearning right now in a time of difficulty, in a time of darkness, in a time of uh, all sorts of problems and issues in Eretz Yisrael, in the land of Israel, things that Jews are facing and the world is facing around the world. It would be an incredible thing to reflect back that it was on this day, the 24th day of the 11th month, the 24th of Shvat, that the prophet Zechariah told us, listen, everybody, God says, I will return to Jerusalem in mercy. My house will be built within her, and the Lord shall yet consult Zion and shall yet choose Jerusalem. It was a prophecy then, but the prophecies of our prophets are not one-off onlys. They are prophecies certainly for today as well. And hopefully that prophecy will be heard for our yearning for the Beit HaMikdash, for the temple right now in our time as well. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. As I've told you before, and we have discussed this at length many times, um, the Jewish calendar is divided in such a way whereby we have months that have 29 days and months that have 30 days. The month of Shvat that we're in at the moment has 30 days. So the 30th day of Shvat is going to be on Tuesday. Tuesday of the coming week is the 30th. Well, if we think about it, today is the 24th, tomorrow the 25th, Friday 26th, Shabbat 27th, 28th will be on Sunday, Monday will be the 29th, and Monday night will bring in Rosh Chodesh, the 30th day of the month of Shvat, which will be the 30th as well as the first day of Adar. So the two days then, meaning that there is a 30th day of the preceding month, if you know what I mean. So Adar has two days of Rosh Chodesh, first day being the 30th day of Shvat, the second day being the first day of Adar. Now, when we go into the month of Adar, we have the overriding rule that we're told by the Talmud that Mishenichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha. Yes, it starts actually with Rosh Chodesh. When it comes to Simcha, we extend it. You know, whenever we have things of sadness, we diminish them. We make them a little bit smaller. We don't have, for instance, a morning period of Shiva for a full seven days. It's till the seventh day, and we make sure that the mourners get up early in the morning on that seventh day. When we're talking about things of Simcha, we try and extend them as far as possible. So the Simcha of Adar, if we have 
a Rosh Chodesh Adar that begins actually on Monday night, and it is the month of Shvat, it seems logical that we extend this idea of Mishenich Adar. The name is called Rosh Chodesh Adar. It may be the last day in the month of Shvat, but it carries with it that power of Extra simcha. Mishenich Adar, Marbim Basimcha. Our mainstay, our, uh, <coughs> let's call it our um, general default setting should be one of simcha. And when it comes to the month of Adar, we need to go up. We need to increase. We need to add to our simcha. We ha- need to have more simcha and a feeling of more simcha than we usually do now. Simcha, of course, is a big word, and we've spoken about this also before. Simcha, the big word of joy, of happiness, is usually associated with a special event. A special event, a chag, a uh, wedding, a uh, bris milah, a bar mitzvah, a bas mitzvah, um, Anything like that, and we call it an engagement, we call that a simcha. And we bless each other. May you have only simchas. It's wonderful. But in fact, what we're really thinking about is the fact that we want to only have simchas every day of our lives, all the time, that there should be this attitude of simcha. Unfortunately, many, many of us seem to kind of associate better with things of sadness. We are uh, eternal uh, prophets of doom, uh, doom and gloom, uh, pessimists, people who um, look at everything and can only see the negative within everything. No, says the month of Adar. When the month of Adar comes along, not only should you always have a positive outlook and should you always have a mindset of joy, of happiness, of positivity and a positive positive energy that flows through your veins, your heart, your soul and then is transmitted to everybody around you and create an atmosphere of simcha, of that positive energy. But when it comes to the month of Adar, it's got to be exceptional. It's got to be over and above everything that one has done or thought about before. Now, why? And why should it be in the month of Adar? That Adar Because, of course, we have that highlight of Purim, the festival of Geula, of redemption of Purim, where every single Jew, no matter where they were in the whole known world at the time of Achashverosh and Haman and his decree, every single Jew literally had the rope of the gallows hanging over his head or uh, uh, the uh, sword of the neighbors and so on. Whatever it was, there was a license to kill. There was a license to take out each and every Jew, no matter where they were in this whole wide, beautiful, wonderful world that um, Achashverosh and the Persian Empire ruled over. It was a death sentence for every single Jew. And therefore, the great miracle of Purim was that every single Jew was saved. Now, when our life is saved, we have to say that the reason why the life was saved was because God deemed that there is something more for that neshama, for that soul to do on earth. That means the job is not complete. That means there is so much more that we have to accomplish. And this in itself should lead us to an attitude of simcha, of joy, of thinking about how much I can add, how much I can do. You know, we often think about when people come into this world or when people leave this world, um, what have they actually contributed? And it would be a wonderful thing if we could all say, you know what, I gave more than I took. I uh, was more of a positive energy in this world, and I, I, uh, my, 
my my job and the things that I accomplished in this world were more than the things that I actually sucked out of this world and the energy that I took from it. Hopefully, we can all say that. Hopefully, we can all do that. And that in itself is an attitude of simcha. It is something that we should have as a positive mindset, as an attitude of positivity, as a knowledge of the fact that just like on the 24th day of the month of Shvat today, um, in the year <coughs> 351 before the Common Era, Zechariah gave us the prophecy that Hashem said, I will return to Zion and the temple will be rebuilt. Um, hopefully, as we hear it today, in the words of Zechariah, we will believe and we will understand that that in itself is something huge and magnificent that we have to look forward to and uh, hope and pray that that happens very, very soon. But when we think about the month of Adar and when we think about Purim and we think about the fact that our lives were saved, this should be the very catalyst to drive us into a state of excitement, of positive outlook, of positive thought. And this is what the advent of the month of Adar is really all about. Yeah, so the women folk, I guess, in the community start thinking when it comes to the month of Adar, it means that it's one month to go till you're in the clutches of Pesach cooking, Pesach preparation. And that uh, makes people perhaps a little bit um, wary of the advent of the month of Adar, but it should be so much more than that because uh, truly the things that we are being blessed with in the coming months of the celebration of Purim, celebration of Pesach, these are really what we live for. This is what picks up our spiritual energy and it picks up our outlook and it makes us better people and makes us nicer people and it makes everything about us so much more positive and so much more besimcha, so much happier that this is really the attitude that we are supposed to have. Now when it comes to Pesach and Purim, there are four special Torah readings that take place in the build-up to these festivals. There are two that happen before Purim and those are the one that we're going to be reading on this coming Shabbat so a second Torah is going to be taken out, or if your shul or your community or your group don't have a second Torah, the Torah will be rolled from the Parsha of Mishpatim, which is the regular Parsha of the week, to the Parsha of Kitisa, the beginning of Kitisa, where we're going to be reading about the giving of the half shekel. Parshat Shkalim. Shkalim, the Parsha of Shkalim, and the Haftorah that goes with it, um, that is for Shabbat. Shkalim. So, it is one of the special Torah readings coming up on the Shabbos. In a uh, while, we will read the second one, and the second one will be on the Shabbat before Purim, and that is Parshat Zachor. Zachor being the Parsha of um, remembering Amalek and everything that Amalek did to us. That will be in the week before Purim. And then, we're going to read between um, uh, between Purim and the end of the month of Adar. We read the Parsha of Para, about the Para Aduma, about the red cow, the red heifer. And then on the Shabbat of Rosh Chodesh Nisan, or the Shabbat just before Rosh Chodesh Nisan, we read Parshat HaChodesh, all about the idea of our Jewish calendar of having to have 
uh, Pesach in the spring of having to have Pesach as the forerunner of all the Chagim. It gives, it leads on to them all. It gives us actually the days of the week of all of them. It gives us a, uh, a, uh, we know that all the, all the festivals are always the same distance from each other. And so Pesach being in its right time is what we're told in Parshat HaChodesh, which is the fourth of those special Torah readings. But what is this one that's coming up on this Shabbat all about? It is the instruction for us to give half a shekel. And it was the way that Moshe Rabbeinu counted the people. Now we know that when one counts Jews, when one counts people in general, it is, we're told that we shouldn't count people by pointing at them and counting them. A person is much more than a number, and it's a bit of an insult to uh, label a person with a number. So counting is always done Let's call it euphemistically. It is done in a once removed kind of a fashion. Well, you may hear some people, I think it's a little bit funny actually, where people say not one, not two, and uh, kind of I hear it even at our minion in the morning at our shul, uh, where people say um, we are not nine for the minion. What does it mean? We're not nine, either we are nine or we aren't nine. It's uh, <coughs> a bit strange, but um, be that as it may, really what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to use a a verse from Torah, and the famous verse to use for the counting of a minion is the verse that has, the famous verse that has uh, ten words in it, Hoshia et amecha uvarech et nachalatecha ureim venasem ad haolam. It also is a verse chosen because it doesn't have uh, one of uh, God's names in it, so we're not pointing to someone or counting someone with one of God's names, which would also be a little bit um, untoward, infradig, whatever you want to call it. So we use a verse from Torah, and um, in that way we know when we reach the word olam that we have a minion um, using ten words. Well, Moshe Rabbeinu and God had the idea of how to count the Jewish people in a unique fashion, and that was that each person had to give a coin, and the coins then were counted, and the coins went towards the coffers of and the foundation of the Beit HaMikdash, of the temple and of the tabernacle in the desert in the time of Moshe. These are things that are unique and special, an instruction in Torah, and therefore it needs to be played out in all its uh, various different ramifications, in all its various different ways. I had a teacher at... uh, at uh, school, who always used to tell us in our Cheder class that in our Hebrew class that um, when we come to the word Naso or Yisa or Kitisa, we're talking about the word Yisa, Yud, a Shin or a Sin and an Aleph, and that is the root of the word. And when we have that as the root word, it actually has several different meanings. It means to carry. It means to marry. It means to lift up. It means to forgive. And it also means to count. Here it's used in the term of counting, but it really has to work in all the other permutations. So what does God tell us? He tells us that this count is going to not only carry us, it's not only going to make us married, so to speak, to God Almighty. It's not only going to um, see to it that we are forgiven. It's going to lift us as well. It's also going to count us. There are so many different things that this word and this idea of this half shekel actually accomplished. But it was a half a shekel, and that in itself was very humbling. Nobody is actually complete without God. We're not complete without our Torah and our mitzvot. We're incomplete. We're only half of the story. The other half is everything that we're supposed to do um, when it comes to uh, bringing in 
godliness, bringing in God himself, bringing in our Torah and our mitzvot into our lives, that then completes us. And so it's similar to the idea of us each being a half. When we stand under the chuppah coming together with our spouse, that that then creates that unity, that togetherness and that completeness that we strive for and that we hope for always. So when we think about the half shekel, this is what it did. But it told us that Hashem would carry us, that he was going to forgive us. Remember, we had very quickly, we got out of Egypt. We'd uh, given ourselves over to idol worship once again. We'd worshiped the golden calf. There was a necessity for some forgiveness. But it was also the idea of counting us, of making sure that each Jew knew that he or she counted, that we were numbered, that we were significant, that the Torah would not have been given were one of us missing, and so the Jewish people too, without each and every individual, is also incomplete. Everybody is a significant number. Everybody is a significant part of this whole uh, that we call Am Yisrael, that we call the Jewish people. Be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome back. Um, yes, we're talking about Parshat Shkalim, the parsha that is coming up on this Shabbos, on this Shabbat, and what it actually does for us. How do we think about and why do we have these special parshiot that come before Purim and then before Pesach? Well, first of all, you know that um, all of our um, tithing and so on had to be all in line and it all had to be up to date by the, by the time it came to the month of Nissan. It was kind of the uh, financial year end and we needed to make sure that all of those things were in place. So maybe this is a timely reminder to get our financial affairs in order before we come to Pesach. Secondly, perhaps there is the idea of ensuring that every Jew knows that uh, before we come to Pesach and before we come to Purim, just how significant we are, just how we count. Uh, the Gula, the redemption from Egypt, uh, would not have happened and doesn't happen if we're not there. And the Pesach Seder and all the celebrations around Pesach don't happen if we're not there. It comes to Purim. The whole Jewish people would not have been redeemed if we were if one of them were not there, we needed all to be there. Everybody had to be part of this um, redemption of the Skula, and otherwise it wouldn't have happened. We weren't going to leave any people behind. And, in fact, when it came, as we mentioned, to the story of Purim, we needed to recognize just how significant each and every one of us was because – the uh, sword of uh, and the gallows of Haman were hanging, dangling above everybody's heads. Everybody um, had the potential, God forbid, to lose their lives in this terrible, terrible um, extermination that Haman had planned, that Achashverosh was going to go along with, that the Jewish people were going to suffer. And so, therefore, when we when it comes to this time, this period of time, when we kind of revalue our lives in a way and we revalue our importance. It is so significant and so important for us to realize that everyone counts, that God wanted us to understand that no matter what we did, each and every one of us would count. And we have a very beautiful Jewish law 
when it comes to particularly uh, the laws of Kashrut and um, anybody who's familiar with uh, the section that deals with the laws of Kashrut and we're talking about various measurements that can be made to nullify a certain quantity, for instance, of non-kosher that falls into, becomes mixed up with uh, some kosher product in a kosher cholent, a kosher soup and so on, uh, or meat with milk and milk with meat and so on. We have laws of various measurements, and uh, we're not going to go into them all now, but there is certainly a significant rule that tells us that something that is called a dover shebeminyan lay bottle. A dover shebeminyan. Dover shebeminyan means something that is counted. So you can't count something, and when you count something, or when it's sold by counting, by number, we can't say, well, at the cash tool, it was significant. And let's think about it. For instance, if we talk about the sale of eggs, for instance, we buy a dozen eggs or half a dozen eggs or two dozen eggs. We do count, buy them by number, not by weight, but by number. And when we think about the numbers of those eggs, well, we would certainly kick up a fuss if there was one missing, if we paid for 12 and there were only 11. You can't expect the cash register person to say, well, you know what, <coughs> um, those were actually sold by weight. You know, we're going by weight here. No, you wouldn't believe them because they sold by number. It says on the outside, 12. You want 12 when you buy 12. And so something that is sold by number whatever it is, can never become nullified. You can't have it that one moment you're saying the number is significant and another moment you're saying it's insignificant and it can become nullified. Now, the idea of nullification is that whatever that product is, it becomes added to and it becomes completely, it's got no personality of its own, it's got no standing of its own, it becomes completely swallowed up by the vast majority. Now, this was something that God was instilling within us. He was putting into our souls, into our very beings. By this count, he was telling us that Dover Shebeminyan loy bottle, God seems to have this continuous almost obsession of counting the Jewish people, and it's in order to demonstrate to each and every one of us how significant we are. And that should certainly add to our feeling of self-worth, and that should certainly add to our feeling of simcha, of joy, of positivity. I am important. I am significant. I do count. I do make a difference. I can make a difference, and I need to make a difference. And this is really what this idea of shkalim is actually all about. I need to make a difference, but I'm only a half. I can only make that difference if I'm joined together with my brothers and sisters, the rest of my community in unity. And I can only make a difference if I'm joined together with God Almighty in this incredible marriage, in this uh, togetherness, this unity of purpose that God instills within us and that he makes us uh, carry ourselves forward with. And therefore, when we think about Parshat Shkalim, it's that very empowerment that this coming Shabbat gives us all. Back with you in a moment. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. And welcome back. Yes, we're chatting about the month of Adar, which is almost upon us, the end of the month of Shvat. We're speaking about Parshat Shkalim coming up on this Shabbos, and we're talking about the fact that today is the day on which there was a great prophecy that was um, given through the Prophet of Zechariah in the year 351 before the common era, the prophecy of 
I will return to Jerusalem in mercy. My house will be built within her, and the Lord shall yet console Zion and shall choose Jerusalem. If you want to look it up, it's Zechariah 1, verses 7 to 17. That's where it's all contained. And yes, this was two years before the completion of the second temple in Yerushalayim, and that happened on the 3rd of Adar in 3412. In 349 before the common era So we're talking about the time of the building of the temple And isn't it appropriate that we have a positive attitude Isn't it appropriate that we think about the rebirth and the reconstruction of the Beit HaMikdash And isn't it appropriate that we think about how each and every one of us counts How each and every one of us makes a difference And how our half shekels which we're going to be reading about and thinking about on this uh, current Shabbat, the Shabbat that is up ahead of us, how that all comes together in one big, beautiful proclamation of our faith, of our humility, of our togetherness, of our unity, of our commitment to do good things, and of our commitment to be besimcha, to be filled with great and wonderful, joyous, joy, happiness, and positive energy. And please, God, it should be that this month of Adar that is about to dawn upon us should truly herald the arrival of Mashiach and bring about the true and ultimate joy that we have all been looking forward to and we've all been hoping for for such a long time. And it's about time that it actually, truly, really happened. So I want to wish you a great Shabbat up ahead, um, a great uh, rest of the week, and I look forward to being back with you again next week, same time, same place, on Judaism 101.9.